All righty, Psalms. My shepherd anoints my head with oil. We're going to continue our discussion in Psalms 23. We've been moving right along. There has been at least, well, I would say there's been several weeks we've been working on this. We're looking at one of the most important, if not most famous chapter in the Bible. We recognize the Lord is my shepherd. Let's look at this passage here one more time. By the time we're done, I know that we will have memorized this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, last week we looked at the verse, verse 5, the very beginning, the very first phrase, whether you prepare a table before me in my presence of my enemy. And now we're going to go into the next phase, where that, in dealing with the goodness of our God, where that he, what does he do? He anoints my head with oil. He anoints my head with oil. With oil. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity again to gather together. Let our hearts and minds be open to receive your word, Lord. It is so easy for us to be distracted by so many things around our lives that we, Father, sometimes will, well, it'll deaden your voice in our lives. And I pray, Father, that our hearts and minds will be open, that our ears will be clear. We've said so often, let those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And Father, I pray that you'll anoint our eyes and our ears, that we might hear and see your love, your care, your keeping, your direction in our lives. We can recognize that you've called us to be a blessing, not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing to those around us. And for us to do this, to experience this, we're going to need your anointing in our lives, Lord, to fulfill the call that you've given to each one of us. I ask now you touch in a mighty way, as always you do. Amen. Psalm 23, verse 5, you anoint my head with oil. You look at this passage of Scripture and you say, what in the world does that mean? You anoint my head with oil? And this was written over 3,000 years ago, as we saw last week. How in the world could something be written 3,000 years ago? How in the world can it possibly be relevant for my life today, especially if you're dealing with the goodness of God? Well, we've got to understand. We've got to understand exactly what the anointing truly is and what does it mean to be anointed. I went back and I searched this out a little bit. It goes back to ancient times as well as present times. Sheep are often bothered by all different kinds of pests. It's flies and mosquitoes and gnats and, and, and flying insects, etc. And these in, uh, little insects will actually head towards and get into the insect, will get into the sheep's its, its head, you know, around it, and goes towards the nose. And they'll get into the nose of the sheep and they'll lay their eggs. And when the leg, the eggs actually hatch, those larvae at that point will get into the passage of the nose and they'll call all kinds of swelling and irritation and sometimes even blindness. Sheep have been known to actually go and beat their heads against trees and rocks trying to get rid of some of this pain that's inside of them and to try to stop that. Others, sheep, will actually run and run and run and keep running until almost they drop, just trying to somehow get rid of some of this aggravation. Now, a good shepherd will see this and know this and will pour oil on the sheep's head and around the nose to calm down the sheep. And so when you think of this and you recognize what was going on then, I guess that passage of Scripture has been more applicable to our day to day. You anoint my head with oil. To get a better understanding of what he's actually talking about, seeing the physical, he now wants to apply it to our spiritual lives. So from this, the anointing has become symbolic of blessing, protection, and empowerment. 
You go back into the Old Testament, you're going to find that many times in the Bible, God would, in fact, anoint. People were being anointed with oil, and it signified God's blessing, his call on their lives, on that person's life. In Psalm 45, verse 7, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has what? Set you above your companion with what? By anointing you with the oil of joy. Now, here's the catch, and I underlined it. The Lord is going to set who above? Companions. Those who love righteousness and hate wickedness. We talk about, we talk about <laughs> what righteousness really is. Righteousness is hating what God hates and loving what God loves. And here's the scripture says that those who really love righteousness, want right relationships, take the person of our God and, and, and really those principles of the word and apply it to their lives on a day-to-day basis. Those who love righteousness, right, standing with our God and hate wickedness. Now we understand what wickedness is. Wickedness is anything that is contrary to God's will and his way. Any precept or principle that doesn't go along with his word. Now we have to be careful because oftentimes, because we're living in the world we're living in, whether we know it or not, we kind of make decisions based upon our past experiences, people around us, the philosophies of this world, and it's so counter to what God's word really speaks. Here he is, those who love righteousness, hate wickedness. God, therefore, has set us above. Not made us better, but has raised us. Why does he raise us up? He raises us up so we can reach down and pick others up. Amen. That's what he's doing. And above, uh, by anointing you with oil, the oil of joy. And I want you to hear this. The oil of joy. Now, the oil of joy is in Isaiah chapter 61. Look at verse 3. And provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness. We tell you so many times, around here at Crossroads, we're not trying to grow a bunch of squash, right? We want oaks of righteousness, which means we dig into the Word of God, we apply it to our lives, and we separate ourselves from the things of this world and philosophy. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of what? His splendor, that's the reason why, to bring glory and honor unto our God. It's not to bring attention to ourselves, but we become oaks of righteousness, the planting of our God for the... Now, how does the plant... What's the seed that he plants within us? His word. And when that word is watered and it begins to grow, that planting of the Lord, that growth of the word of God within our lives, that displays his splendor. Amen. Let nothing ever grieve or quench the Holy Spirit's working in our, in our lives. And so here we find the scripture so clear that he loves righteousness and those who love righteousness love an agreement with him. Amen. So, now I talk about the anointing of our Lord. The anointing of our God is something that happens inside. It's an internal. It happens internally. It's where the Holy Spirit touches our lives in a way that gives us supernatural insight, ability, gives us supernatural stamina, authority, protection. Now you don't have that in a normal way. You don't have that in the flesh. Amen. And the only reason why God Almighty wants to anoint us with this authority and stamina is so that we can fulfill His calling in our lives. What He's called you to do. The anointing. When I talk about the anointing, I always think about the anointing truly is the oil of gladness. That oil of gladness, that oil of joy that's in our lives. That no matter what circumstance we come against, there's just a very positive or very yes in the Lord kind of attitude. No matter what we're facing. So often I'll say it, you know, and when we're at work, we always run into some kind of situation or problem comes up, something we don't expect. And I always say, we just got to go to the flow, man. Because here's, here's the problem. Every problem has what? 
a solution in common, right? And where did I get that information? What's well, a principle? I believe God's word. He's the answer. And so therefore, I don't need to sweat it. And there may be things that I have no idea how it's going to be, what's going to turn out, how it's going to turn out. But I recognize that God has an answer. I need to get into his word. And you spend time before him and ask for his wisdom. Not just the knowledge. I have the knowledge of the situation, but I need the wisdom of God for the situation. Amen. Now, we understand, again, the anointing is the oil of gladness within our lives. How glad are you? How joyful are you? Amen. That's important because it's the key to the anointing of God in your life. Now, we also understand that God oftentimes gives an ex external symbol for an internal process. Think about the Lord's Supper. It's an outward sign of an inward work. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. And he uses bread and wine or he uses crackers and juice to symbol that outward sign. as an outward sign of the inner spiritual work. Think about water baptism. Baptism again is an outward sign of an inward truth. When we're baptized, we go under the water. Basically what we're saying is, I have died to the old way of living and, and as I put under the water. And bring them back up. Amen. What we're saying is, I'm beginning a brand new life. A new life. I have been born again. Buried. Now, it's not talking about turning over a new leaf. Sometimes people approach Christianity as, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to go to church for a little while. No, no, no. We're talking about transformation. A brand new life. Amen. Can you believe that? It's true. We've been born again. Right? The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. The problem is we remember the past and we carry it with us. We've got to cut, somehow cut strings. Got to cut ourselves from that. And reckon I'm brand new in Christ Jesus. It's a brand new day. Amen. And amen. So anyways, baptism, an outward sign of a new work. Realizing that all of my sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away. Now think about it for a minute. When it comes to, well, communion or baptism, neither one can save you. They're like the wedding ring of the Christian life. Those two represent something. You know, when you wear the wedding band, it represents that you are married. And I was given a wedding band many, many years ago. In fact, 42 years ago. 42 years ago, I said those two words at the ceremony. Those two words that changed my life forever. Words I do. When I said those two words, I had no idea what I was doing. I waited for that until Angela's downstairs, by the way, you know. And I have spent the rest of my life, up until now, working out the consequences of those two words I do. Now, here's the truth, folks. I could lose one of the rings. I don't wear the ring because I work and I don't like ring and I don't want to get caught in anything so I don't I went to look for it today I couldn't even find it I could lose the ring I'm sure Angela knows exactly where it is if I lost the ring and the fact that I'm not wearing the ring did that change the fact that I'm married or not no because the ring is what an outward symbol of the marriage vow of our relationship when someone anoints you with oil there's nothing mystical or magical about it. It's a symbol of something far more significant. It's saying that God Almighty has blessed you. He has anointed, he has, he has, amen, he has anointed you inside. He's got a calling in your life. He's got a purpose for your life. 
He is forgetting the past. He's giving you a brand new future. He's doing something great. He wants to do something great. And the only way that will not be accomplished is if we grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's important to understand that. And we recognize in the Bible, oil symbolizes God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, symbol of God's presence. Olive oil is also a symbol of God's blessing on your life. So, when someone anoints you with oil, it's a symbol of God's approval of you. It's a symbol of God's presence in your life, of God's protection, of His promises, of the symbol of prosperity. And there's a lot of different meanings throughout the Bible when dealing with anointing. It's anointing oil. It, it represents comfort. It represents healing. It represents joy. I read a couple of verses of Scripture already that spoke about the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. The Bible recognizes the oil, the olive oil, as the oil of salvation, oil of deliverance. And the symbolism goes on and on and on. If I go back into the Old Testament, I find there's only three kinds of, of people who got anointed with oil. They were the priest, the prophet, and the king. And in fact, even today, kings, when they, when they are put into prison, what do they do? They are anointed with oil. It's a symbol of God's blessing. It's a symbol of God's approval. God is giving them authority. Now, the only people who could anoint were the priests. But then Jesus Christ came. He dies on the cross, and he breaks up the old system. The Bible said that the veil in the temple was torn in half, top down, which means that we now have complete access, direct access to our God, and that we no longer need a priest to stand for us. In fact, the Bible tells us that if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a priest. As a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you realize you have the authority to anoint people with oil? Did you know that? You do. You have the authority to do all the things that the priests used to do in the Old Testament. And so when we're talking about living an anointed life, it's important for us to understand exactly what that means. Exactly what it means. What is the blessing of being anointed by God? It says, you anoint my head with oil. What's that blessing? We've got to get back to the basics if we're going to truly understand what it means to experience the anointing of our God. First of all, let me tell you, that God has a plan and a purpose for all of, your li- all of our lives. Saved or unsaved. As soon as that child comes out of the womb, now it's even go before that, the Father has a plan and a purpose for that child's life. Now the evil one comes in and tries to get our attention away from that, and, and we're doing our own thing. And so therefore, because of our self-centeredness and self-righteousness and self- just being selfish, we do our own thing. But God Almighty has a plan and a purpose. A plan and a purpose. The significance and meaning of life comes from, from figuring out God's plan for your life. Because he has a purpose, he has a calling. Did you know that when God calls you to do something, he provides you with all the necessary, with every necessary to actually fulfill that plan, that purpose? Do you realize he has a calling for your life? He has a purpose for your life, even to this day. I don't care what the age you are, it doesn't matter at this point. He can give you strength over men. See, well, Pastor Bob, I don't know. I was called to be a, a marine biologist. Okay. I don't know. Maybe you're called to be a taxi cab driver or a banker, an investor. Maybe you're called to be a homemaker, a teacher, a nurse, an artist, a musician. Everybody alive has a certain calling in their life. God has wired everybody in a certain way. That's what he's done. I find that through the years, a lot of people miss out on what God has called them to do, what God has planned them to be, what he has wired them to be. They miss out because they they go off following the money. They pick a career that's going to provide the most money for them. 
I was running across an article, and we're living in a, uh, a FOMO time. F-O-M-O time. You know what that is? Fear of missing out. That's the, that's the society and young people live today. Our generation today is a fear of missing out. And so as a result of fear of missing out, we want all we can possibly get. We go after the money. We go after this, all that stuff. And as a result, our eyes are taken off of and the voice of God is stilled, not heard, in our lives. We go off following the money, doing our own thing. And that's the reason why so many people are unhappy. And that's why so many people are living this life looking for this, that, and the other thing, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, because they never fulfilled the plan that he had for them. Never did. And you're only going to be fulfilled if you figure out what God is calling you to do. You know, over the years, you get this idea that when God's calling on your life, that means he's setting you up to be a missionary, to go into a foreign land that you really don't want to be. Be a pastor, people who do work in the church. You see, when God's calling is on your life, so often we think it deals with ministry and it deals with missionaries, pastors, and church workers. No, no, not true. Do you know the difference between music and anointed music? Singing and anointed singing. Do you know the difference between preaching and anointed preaching? Do you know the difference between having church and having an anointed church service? Because folks, when it comes right down to it, it's the anointing that makes the difference in our lives. It's the anointing that makes the difference when we work. Whatever we do, it's the anointing that makes the difference. And I'll tell you what, when there's an anointing in our lives, it makes our responsibility and the call of God in our lives, the gifts in our lives, more powerful and more fruitful when we're acting and moving and living under the anointing of our God. Because what makes us effective is the anointing of our God. Look what the scripture says. But you have an anointing from what? The Holy One. And all of you know the truth. What gives us the truth? What, the truth that will set us free, the Word of God, the truth will set us free. What sets us free? That anointing from the Holy One. We begin to see things like He sees things. We begin to approach the Word of God like He does. We hate what He hates. We love what He loves. And that, as a result, gives us truth, real truth. Wisdom. Knowledge. Beyond our years. Amen. Folks, bottom line here is everyone has a calling in their lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are what? God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. To accumulate all that we can have to build up our own fortresses and our, our no, to do good works. Which God in advance prepared in advance for us. God made you as you are. He wired you like you are. You like sales? You like math? You like organizing things? You've got the gift of administration. God made you what you are. And in Christ Jesus, God created us, each of us, to do good works. That's important. Now what's important here is this, and it's very important, that if we're going to fulfill the meaning and purpose that we have received from our God, then we have got to, we've got to know we have to know, amen, what it is and understand the importance of that anointing in our lives day by day. There's the catch. You cannot, you cannot fulfill 
You cannot fulfill God's calling in your life in your own power. You need, you have to have, and must have God's anointing. You must display that oil of gladness. Amen. Because the anointing we're talking about is the power, the insight, and the energy and all those things that allow us to do what God wants us to do. So it's very, very important that we understand our calling. And until you get that anointing in your life, you're not going to be able to find, experience a fulfilled life. Because the anointing makes a difference. It makes a difference. A couple of things I've learned about the anointing is this. Number one, when God appoints me, He what? He anoints me. When He appoints me, He anoints me. See, God will never ask you to do anything without providing what you need to do it. When He gives you a plan, He's going to give you the power to do it. And God has promised. He has promised that He will help you. You say, well, Pastor Bob, I, I got this feeling that I ought to be doing such and such. There's just a burden in my life, but I am scared to death. That's okay. Why is it okay? Because Thessalonians says, the one who's called you is what? And He will do it. Wow! Think about some of the things he's asked people to do in the past. Think about the 12 disciples. He gave them a task that was almost impossible. In fact, it was impossible. Think about what he said. In Acts chapter 1, he said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay, we can handle that. Judea, we can handle that. Samaria, we can. but to the ends of the earth? How in the world are they going to get from the Middle East to South America? How are they going to get from the Middle East to Hawaii? How in the world are they? They're, listen, they're, if I recall properly, and I've searched the scriptures and went back through the scrolls, I have not seen any ocean liners. I've not seen any airplanes or trains or automobiles that were set back in that time. How are they going to get there? So God makes this assignment that is, looks physically impossible to do. But he said this, I've called you, and I'm faithful, and we'll do it. You're not going to do it in your own strength, but together we're going to figure it out. You're going to follow my lead. You'll follow my lead, and I'll give you the insight. I'll give you information. I'll give you the, I'll anoint you. I'll empower you. God says, my appointment or my assignment comes with anointing goes right along with it. Second thing I learned is God anointing makes me a better person. That's pretty simple. But it's true. Because what happens is that anointing changes me from the inside out. I no longer need to wear a mask and try to be something that other people think I should be. You can, what, what I'm on the outside is what I'm on the inside. That might scare some of you, but that's the truth. Amen? There's no difference. I don't need to put a mask on to be, kind of be something that I'm not. I'm not hiding anything. So it's a change that goes from the inside. And it gives me an ability that I don't have in my own. And again and again and again, you go through scriptures, you can find example after an example after an example. Whether, whether somebody's anointed to be king or prophet or whatever it might be, suddenly they're given this special ability. Their life is turned around. They're changed because of that anointing, that calling in God's life, the Spirit of God touching them. Think of one example in the Old Testament. It deals with King Saul. Scripture says that when Samuel took the flax of oil and poured it upon Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you 
leader over this inheritance. It was an outward sign. It was an outward sign of God's commitment to transforming the inner man so long as he allows the Spirit of God to do the work. God had anointed him to be the leader of his people. Now, if you go back to the Scripture, you're going to find out that Saul's anointed, but he doesn't really believe it. He really struggles with the fact that he can do this. one. He's insecure. And so if you continue in the passage from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, continue with it several verses later, you're going to find that Samuel, through the next few verses from verse 1 all the way, he's going to be telling them, listen, this is what's going to happen. Over the next several verses, I want you to see what's going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. He's trying to show Saul that God's got it in control. You are the man. Here it is. This is going to happen. He says it right on until verse 6. Down in verse 6, he said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them. And notice I underline this. And you will be changed into a different person. Oh, people are going to know who you are. You're not changing the physical part. But inside, something's different. There's a transformation inside of you. It's going to come different. It's going to be different. There's an anointing, a calling. It's going to come. Holy Spirit's going to touch your life. There's going to be the thing going on to confirm you. You are going to be changed. And when you see the anointing of God in your life, it changes you. You say, well, how does it change me? Well, makes you more confident. Makes you more confident. You're going to be a little more calm about things. See, that's what, that's what God's call does in your life. So no matter what you face, no matter what circumstances you come against, there's confidence here. There's confidence there. And there's a calm. You can handle this. When I say we, me and the Lord. Lord and I will follow His lead. I'll tell you something, folks. When you live a life of worry, and you live a life, now listen, once in a while we get worried about things. We get nervous about some things. But when you're living a life of worry and you're nervous all the time about your job, about your future, about that vocation, guess what? If you've got that lifestyle all of a sudden it's developed, then you don't have the anointing of God in your life anymore. Not at that moment. Something's happened. Something's happened. Your focus has changed. Focus has moved. Maybe you're like Peter. You stepped out of the boat and everything was wonderful. It was looking great. But you got your eyes off of, the, off of our Lord and you got your eyes on the storm cloud. And then the waves around you. You started to sink. Now you're worried. Now you're freaking out. You're nervous. God help us. The anointing makes a difference. The third thing, God is going to make it difficult makes difficult tasks easier because we're not doing our own power. Thank God for that. Because you're doing it on God's power. And that's the difference between serving in our power versus serving in the power of our God. Because there's a difference, folks. There's a difference between anointed life and an unanointed life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may what? Strengthen you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. The difference between an unanointed life versus an anointed life. An anointed life, it's going to be out of His riches. He's going to strengthen you with the power of His Holy Spirit. And that's strengthens your inner man. No more mask. No more pretending. This is who I am in Christ. More than conquerors in Him. Amen. I want to tell you something, folks. 
My resources are limited. My energy is limited. My knowledge and wisdom is limited. Don't say amen. But God's isn't. It isn't. And when you have God's anointing on your life, according to Scripture, verse after verse, He puts strength in you. Strength that you don't know that you even have. And you can begin to handle things better than you ever thought you could. And what you're doing lasts longer. You can go farther because God has anointed your life. You say, Pastor Bob, how do I know? How do I know that, that I've got God's anointing in my life? You're not tired all the time. You're not easily depressed. Why? Why do people get tired and depressed? And why does that cloud hang over their head? It's because they're trying to solve their own problem through their own means. And they don't have the means to solve the problem, so there's all kinds of frustration and issues that come up. You're trying to fulfill your purpose. You're trying to fulfill, find your purpose in your own power. And God Almighty says, I will give you a mighty strength. I will give you mighty strength through His Holy Spirit. That's what He says. See, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to anoint you, to give you that energy, that wisdom, the resources, all the stuff that you need to get done that God has put you here on this planet to do. He did not put us on this planet to make a living for ourselves. He did not put us on this planet to make a future for ourselves. He did not. That's in His hand. You say amen. In fact, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says what? I can do everything. Who? Through Him. Sometimes we need to stop for a moment and remember that. It's through Him who gives me strength. There's a lot of things we have to do, but it's only going to be through Him who gives me strength that I can do that. Let me ask you a personal question. Don't shout it out. Don't embarrass anybody. Are you trying to do anything that you need to do in this life based upon, are you trying to do it on anointing or adrenaline? Because if, if we're trying to do it on adrenaline, trying to build ourselves up, trying to convince ourselves to do this, adrenaline runs out. You get tired and you get fatigued and get worn out and you want to give up. But when you're walking in the anointing with God's power flowing through, then you're limitless, what you can do. Because He's going to give you a supernatural energy. But if you're saying, I can do this through the help of medication... <laughs> I can do this through help of my team or I can do this through my bank passport or my, my savings account. If that's how you fill in that blank, you're in trouble. Because you're... If you ask or expect other people to meet the needs in your life, those needs that only God can make, you're... Listen, you're set up for disappointment big time. You're going to fail. You're going to get frustrated, angry. And there's all kinds of conflict going to be in your life. Because nobody, nobody can meet all of your needs in life. Nobody can meet all of your emotional needs, your physical needs, your spiritual needs. Only God can. But you've got to look to Him. Because He said, if you look to me, then I will give you my anointing. Christ. Do you know? You know what the word Christ means, right? We know because we've listened, we've read. Christ simply means what? You know, the anointed one. Now, there are some people who actually think Christ is like Jesus' last name. Is Jesus Christ? No. 
Christ not only is the anointed one, but it also, in the Greek word, means, here it's important, that he is the Messiah in the Hebrew. So we're talking about Jesus Christ, who is, in fact, what? The anointed Messiah. And the anointed Messiah, he's the one who's going to anoint you to get done the things that you need to get done. Jesus. Making difficult things easier. Because now you're not just doing in your own power. Fourth, God's anointing makes the impossible possible. That's a big deal when it comes to business, when it comes to our lives. Because in business, we run into unsurmountable problems. And if we're going to solve those problems, which are larger than we ever could, could imagine ourselves, we're going to need God's anointing. You're going to have problems in your marriage. Situations are going to arise. You're going to fall out of love, quote unquote. I don't know how anybody can fall out of love. Love's a commitment. But you're going to have those issues that come up in your life that seem insurmountable. And, and, and the, <laughs> you're going to have problems in your health that seem insurmountable. And where are you going to depend? What are you going to do? How are you going to find? You can't answer it on your own power. You need to depend upon God's anointing. And Luke chapter 18, verse 27 says so clearly, what is impossible men is what? Possible with God. See, I can't do everything. But God can. Now, him who is able to do it immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine, according to his power that could work within us. Now, what, what happens if his power is not working within us? What if we quench and grieve the Holy Spirit? We're not into the Word. Then, say, bummer. Because he could do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to the power working within us. What's working in us? What's in us? What's in us? Makes all the difference in the world. You know what the scripture says? Look at for a moment. I want you to think. I want you to think of the greatest thing you can imagine happening in your life. According to this passage, the scripture says, "What's on your mind? What's the greatest thing that could possibly happen in your life?" And he says, "Whatever it is, name it." He says, "I can top that. The best case scenario that you've got figured out. I can top that." God's power within us. I'm able to accomplish infinitely more than you could ever dare to ask or imagine. For what? For your families? For your businesses? For your career? For education? For your dreams? God's anointing makes the impossible possible. And God's anoint my life to be a blessing. To be a blessing. He doesn't anoint my life so I can run the aisle. doesn't anoint my life so I can feel good. No, he anoints my life so it might be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. When I am blessed with one person with an umbrella, I'm going to bless somebody else with an umbrella. I'm going to pass it on. That's what I'm going to do. I'm called to be a blessing. And realize that when I'm facing those storms of life and it doesn't seem like I have the goods for it, God Almighty will bring in a covering from unexpected ways and places. God doesn't give me, he doesn't give me money, talent, good looks, abilities, opportunities, networks, just simply for my own benefit. He wants me to be a blessing to those around me. You know, here's what the prophet said, the sovereign, he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord. He said, scripture basically, Isaiah was saying, I am anointed by my God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has set 
sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, released from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who are mourned, to provide those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of God for display of His splendor. You go through this passage of Scripture and I notice that Isaiah has identified six different kinds of people that he finds in pain. And he calls this. He says, you know what? These people, I'm recognizing. I know, I know this is what God's calling me to do. Isaiah is saying, He has called me to use my anointing not just to make a name for myself. He's using, called me to make, use my anointing to help six different kinds of people in pain. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and the afflicted. He's anointed me to bring comfort to the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to announce freedom to people who are captives, those who are in prison. Whether the prison is self-imposed prison or resentment or an addiction or, or some compulsion or some fear, whatever that prison might be. He said, I'm anointed to set them free. He said, I've anointed them. He's anointed me to what? Open the eyes of the blind. What's he talking about? Not just those who are physically blind, but he's talking about helping people see stuff they've never seen before. Lord, help them. They need to see you. They need to see you through me. So at some point I can kind of fade off and know who you are. Because God, the concept of God comes, people's concept of God comes from how they see you and I. Do we have that oil of gladness in our life? That oil of joy, that anointing? What do they see in our life? Because what they see in our life is going to well affect how they see our God, how they approach our Lord. You say amen. And he goes on to say, he's anointed me to tell all who mourn. Tell them what? Listen, everybody loses. Everybody's experiences losses in life. He's, he's, he's tell, called me. He's said I, to tell those, to help those, to reach out to tell people who have lost that God will give them beauty for ashes and joy instead of mourning and the praise instead of heaviness. To encourage them. And not just words. No, no, no. No, no, the hand of reaching out, the comfort, the touch, the, the prayer. What an amazing God we have. Because I read that passage of Scripture, he's not just interested in our spiritual being, but he's interested in my emotional needs. He's interested in my hurts, my habits, my hang-ups. He's interested in all that stuff that pulls me down. And in fact, it's in Isaiah 61 here. This is the text that Jesus read. Remember the one very public sermon that he had? It's found there in Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes into his hometown in Nazareth. He picks up the scroll in the Old Testament. Begins to read. He opens up the passage of Isaiah 61. He reads it and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's appointed me to preach good news to the suffering and afflicted and the poor. He sent me to 
comfort the brokenhearted. He reads it. He rolls up the scroll. He goes over, sits down. It's the shortest sermon on record. Certainly not one of mine, but it's his. He sits down and he says, today, he said, today the message, the passage has been fulfilled right in front of you. He's saying, I am the answer. I am the Savior. I'm the guy who comes to comfort the afflicted and the brokenhearted. I'm the one that's come to, to set the enslaved to habits free. Those who don't know how to get out of debt, I, I've come to set them free. I've come to set those, to anoint those eyes that are blind. Th th those are folks who can't see any way out. I've come. I'm it. That's what he says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. In Acts chapter 10, verse 20, 38. And how he, he went along, around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the evil one, devil, because God was with him. That was the purpose of the anointing. The purpose of the anointing in Christ's life was to make the world a better place. The, the purpose of the anointing in our own lives is to, to make the world a better place, to, to start helping people to reach out. And that's exactly what Christ did. He went about doing good and healing those who were broken and beaten down. And I want to tell you something. You read Scripture, God Almighty wants to do the exact same thing through each one of us. And the sixth thing we learn, well, first of all, the sixth thing we learn is, is for every new challenge, I need what? A fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. You know, you can say, well, Pastor Bob, back in 1992, I remember, I went to the service. It was wonderful. It was a tent meeting. And I really felt the presence of God there. I tell you what, I got a quiver in my liver, Pastor Bob. It was wonderful. I even cried. It was just an emotional experience. I remember that so clearly. Good. It doesn't work that way. You can't store it up. You can't store up God's anointing. You can't store up God's blessing. It's like manna. The bread of God fell and fed the, the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. It only lasted one day and then it spoiled. Why? Why was it like it? Because God wants us to depend upon Him every single day for His anointing. He wants us to depend upon His power every single day. You know, we pray the prayer. You know, we say the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our monthly bread, right? No, what do we say? Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because it's not enough for us just to receive once a month. Because today, today is wonderful, it's great, but tomorrow we're going to need a fresh anointing. We're going to need some more oil in our lamp. How do I help? How do I help initiating? How do I help prepare? What do I do to prepare for the anointing of God in my life? Number one, start focusing on His Word. And we're not doing like we should be. I'm telling you right now, we're not focusing on God's Word every single day like we need to be. And I'm going to tell you something else. Just going through a little devotional isn't enough. You know, if we got this idea that we, our call is to read through the Bible in one year, good luck, that's not enough. You pat yourself on the back because you did it. Sometimes you don't get through it. We're talking about spending time in prayer with the Word of God. I want you to take that situation, whatever the situation you're facing in right now, and you need the anointing of God, you need the oil of gladness to cover you for that situation. You might need healing, you might need some healing, and the relationship needs to be restored. Maybe there's 
a financial breakthrough you need, whatever's weighing down in your mind, you need to get in the Word of God. You need to start mining the Word of God. You start digging through the Word of God for the Scriptures that apply to your situation. And once you find it, you need to write it down. Because if you find it, you read it, you close the book, you walk away. It's like looking yourself in the mirror, you forget. So write the thing down. Memorize that passage of Scripture. Put it in a place where you'll see it throughout the day. I don't know, maybe the back ground of your telephone or your iPhone or whatever, your tablet, whatever. Let it be there. And as soon as your mind and your thoughts start to drift away into this lane of, of fear and, and negativity, redirect, grab that wheel of your life, focus back on the Word of God. Because the longer you meditate on the junk, the negative junk, the more opportunity for damaging, for damaging your soul. So you need to grab that wheel, so to speak, and set your mind and keep focused Eventually on the things above. That's what Colossians 3 says. Since then we have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. Get your eyes off of your situation. Come on now. Let the power of God touch you and anoint you. Fulfill your call. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. Next. You want to initiate the anointing? You initiate it by expressing your faith. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. As you build your faith through feeding your mind and heart with God's word, that anointing touch of Jesus is initiated. Matthew 7, 9, 27. As Jesus went from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us! Son of David. They were calling Him the Christ. They were calling Him the Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus asked the blind men if they believed He could do this miracle. He could, but He wanted them to speak it. He wanted them to exercise their faith. He knew He was anointed. He knew He was anointed to give recovering to the sight of the blind. He knew that. But He needed them to express their faith. Not that it's going to be okay, but the faith in who he was. Faith in his word. To apply that word. Then consider the leper who, who comes to Jesus. Matthew chapter 8. He's a leprosy. He comes kneels before, before the Lord and he said, if you're willing, notice this, if you're willing, you can make me clean. That step of faith. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man and said, I'm willing. Be clean. See, a fresh, expressing our faith allows the anointing to flow and the healing to occur. Do we have you? Do you express your faith every single day? You express your faith in the Word of God. Apply it. You, you apply the principle. You find out that word, that principle, that promise that meets your situation, and you declare it. That's what you do. That's exercising your faith. Not, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to pass. No, you exercise faith by claiming the Word of God. Expressing that, that statement of faith. Expressing it, faith actions. Think about oh Abraham. <laughs> Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Abraham was called to go a place where he <laughs> would later, later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. But by faith. By faith. He exercised by faith. Want to help initiate the anointing in your life? You needed to Walk it out every day. 
Initiate the anointing by walking it out every day. You talk about walking the promises of God out. Listen, we don't walk God's promises out once for the rest of our lives. It's a way of life. Hebrews 11, verse 27 says, By faith they left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He, what did he persevere? What did he do? He, they were looking at who was what? Invisible. They walked out. They were walking out in faith. You walk in faith in the words you say. You walk in faith. With, pay attention to the words you speak. Pay attention to the things you declare. Walk out your faith in the words you say, in your prayers and in your conversation with other people. And like the scripture says, by keeping your eyes on the one who is invisible. Get your eyes off the ones driving you nuts. And get your eyes on the one who's invisible. See, but it's not always easy. I didn't say it was easy. It's a faith journey. It takes effort. It's an act of your will to determine to receive the promises of a God. Immediately, the scripture said, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief in Mark 9, 24. I think we can have, I think all of us can somehow relate to this father who pleads, Jesus, heal my demon-possessed son. And I think the anguish in his voice echoed even today. Here's the good news, folks. The good news is that you choose daily to look to Christ and to express your faith. And when you choose daily to express, exercise your faith, express your faith, you'll be strengthened one day at a time. But by the way, you can lose the anointing. You can lose the oil of gladness. And you say, well, Pastor, well, how do you do that? Put a few things down. First of all, for taking the anointing, your salvation, your calling for granted. Once saved, always. By not depending on the Lord anymore, but depending upon how He worked in your life in the past. By looking the past, trying to use past answers for today. You start thinking about what you have done, your own strength. You depend no longer on our Lord. By not spending time alone with God every day. Through pride and through greed. We lose the anointing by refusing to forgive somebody who needs to forgive. I don't care. So what? They did it. I know they did it. You're the victim. I understand that. But you better forgive them because if you carry that burden on your life, it's going to destroy all the relationships. And so you lose the anointing, that oil of gladness, refusing to forgive. Through gossip, you lose it from out-of-control anger. Anger is a dis display that you're ticked off because you're not getting your way. You're out of control of things. You lose it. You lose it. You can lose it. I'll tell you something, folks. We go through Scripture, we go through history, we find history is littered with people who have had God's anointing, God's blessing in their life. They have seen success and results in their lives. And then all of a sudden, bam! It's gone. Because they, they took it too lightly. Lived their lives too loosely. And so for, the, for our challenge today, every new challenge, every, new, every time we wake up, we need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh anointing. We need to be filled, refilled again. God wants to, to fill you with His power, with His love, with His Spirit, with His grace. The problem is, folks, that we have a leap. We can lose our passion. We can lose the power. We can lose the grace and lose our, our vision. We're like that balloon, that, that, <laughs> that birthday balloon. You puff them up and they look wonderful. A few days later, they're all deflated. And, and you know, you, I stopped caring a long time ago. And we get that attitude sometimes. You've got to leak. Starts off good, but you're leaking, man. 
You're leaking. You're going flat. And you end up laying in the corner someplace. You need a fresh filling of God's spirit. You need it on a regular basis. We're going to close the service down. The altar is going to be open. There's a, a song that we're going to be playing. And I want to spend a little more time in worship tonight, this, this morning as well. I really want us to be in the place as a body of Christ. We're saying, Lord, here we are. It's not so much this morning taking our burden before the Lord. We're saying, Lord, lay your hand upon me, new and afresh today. The oil that you that was physically was rubbed on the sheep and are today, spiritually rub your spirit, that oil of gladness in my own life. Our prayer should be, Lord, let us be that, that powerful fragrance. I need to feel that. I need to sense that. And I want that to be seen by others who are near us. Our prayer should be, Lord, that we want to demonstrate that aroma of your presence. You know, when the disciples of old, when they walked around, people just sensed they'd been with Jesus. I want them to sense that, Lord. I want that oil of gladness just to permeate. I don't want it to be a mask I'm putting on. I just want it to be part of my being, my, my nature, your nature. Lay your hand on us today. Say, Lord, lay your hand on me today. That's this anointing. Your anointing deeply penetrate my life. Amen. Praise God. I want you to understand the importance, folks, of the anointing of our God. Every single day of our lives, we experience that. Find out what God's called in your life. That special drive that you have, that, that burden. You know, Sister Melinda was speaking about that burden. That, that Put that burden in place and, and grab onto it. Let the Lord recognize God's hand in your life and, and pray for that anointing, that special oil of gladness that needs to be in our lives. We can't be walking around with our hands down, oh my, oh my, worry, wart, pessimistic about everything, that cloud of despair over our lives. We are children of the Most High God. He has a plan and purpose for our lives. We're more victorious through Him. And I understand the situations and circumstances we run into, but He's got the answer for our lives. And it starts with us having the confidence to know who we are in Him. We're part of His kingdom. We're overcomers through Him in all things. Amen. But we've got to spend time in His Word. We've got to be putting the Word in place and living by those principles. We can't be going by our emotions or our by our feelings, expecting the Spirit of God just to work it all out. He has to. He can only work with the word we have planted within us. And I think that's shown us time and time again that it's Christ in us for his glory. Brother Seb? That's right. You know what always amazes me is that during the apostles' time, during the early church, they had to get out there and they had to plant, they had to go get the milk, and they had to take all these things, and they still had time. We've got nuke this, microwave this, we've got down to get our gallon of milk, we're all set, and we don't have enough time. Are you serious? Come on, man. We spent, come on, listen to me. We need to be praying for God's anointing in our lives. Don't take it for granted. That makes all the difference in our lives and those around us. Amen. We need to be doing allowing the Spirit of God to work in our lives. Amen? Amen. Hope you're dismissed in Jesus' name.